Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudlow, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. And we are sober, too. <laughs> Thank the Lord for that today. <laughs> Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day, 2019, and uh, we it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. Um, we are gaining traction again. We are back, but um, we're just recording a little bit slower, and... Um, you know, we're just catching up with some stuff, but this is a project that we're committed to, and so we're gonna we're gonna be here. So we're gonna be here, and we're gonna talk about things you want to talk about. So at the end of the podcast, we usually always talk about that, like you know, send us your questions. But I want to talk about it at the front too, like you know, you might not get to the end, and so I just want to say, um, if you have a topic that you want us to discuss, please send that to our email account, which is sober sisters talk at gmail.com. So, uh, happy Valentine's Day. I feel like this is like the banner holiday for sex and love addicts. You know, alcoholics have New Year's Eve. Yep, but this is ours. But this is ours. Our national holiday. And, it, and I was doing okay until I went to the grocery store. And the grocery stores are like flowers and you know it's like you know tents and like men plus isn't there like a whole bunch of people like isn't there like this energy like bye 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 yes cards cards candy candy you know yeah and flowers uh, flowers candy candy flower yeah all that stuff and i saw these men that had like flowers in their card and oh and you felt bad and i was just like oh yeah there it is because i usually don't I, I don't feel like there's any lack in my life. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I don't feel, oh, I don't have a man. Or, I'm, gonna, I'm so alone. <laughs> I know. I, I don't, don't feel that. that. But seeing that, just it was a, it was a pang, and I just wasn't prepared for it. So um, don't go to the crazy store. If you're That's feeling. the message. Yes. Stay away, and or Walgreens, all of those places that mm-hmm. they do that stuff. If you don't want to see that stuff and participate in. We're going to veer a little bit. I mean, this is our Valentine's Day topic. We were just sitting there talking about what we were going to talk about today. And I shared with MG that um, I had heard uh, that there was, that some of the men in our community call one of the meetings. Which is a co-ed meeting. Which is a co-ed meeting. The hot chick meeting. And it just, it, it affects me. Because it is the objectification of women, and um, it 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 irritates me to the point, like the same way that I feel when I when I heard um, one of our candidates say, "You grab them by the pussies. That's okay. They like it, and like it's okay for you to like just take over. You know, do what you want with my body." And um, we were talking before we started about losing our virginity and um i when i lost my virginity that's it it was like one of the i felt objectified i didn't know it then i just knew like this is what it is but i mean i was 14 he was 16 he got on top of me he we had intercourse he ejaculated on the bed it was my girlfriend's bed by the way or her sister's bed <laughs> And we left that there, and then that was it. That was the end of it. And um, I, it hurt. I didn't like it. Um, I certainly did not feel any romance, lovey-dovey, like what you read in the 
in the novels and the bodice rippers. Um, I didn't feel that at all. And um, I just wanted to put it out there and talk about today how damaging it is when we objectify each other. Well, and I love what you said that when men objectify women, that they're in a way objectifying themselves. I love that. And that sort of like, it reminded me of something my therapist said that the reason that I go for unavailable men is because I'm unavailable. I think that there's that sort of odd... um, it's like you know, one end of two, the end of one stick, two right. ends of one stick. It's At still the same, the same time. stick. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And so, and, and I have like a bottom line around my sex and love addiction behaviors around um, looking at men without their shirts on. So we live in Houston, Texas, and it's warm most of the year. And for some reason, when I came back from New York, I noticed that there are people very active and fit running around this town, especially over by Allen Parkway. And, oh, yeah. And, you know. (laughs) Without their shirts on. Without their shirts on. (laughs) And I'm like, hello, hubba hubba. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm objectifying them. And, you know, like, you know, bringing them down to, you know, just their body, what their body right. is. So I had to set a boundary where it's like, I don't even look at their face because I start with the face and then I go down. So I just don't even look. I'm saying there's a human running. And uh, and I got triggered on Facebook the other day because someone that is, um, you know, losing a lot of weight and, and like bodybuilding had a before and after and this was someone who I know marginally, and uh, but it was like quite a fantastic transformation. And part of me was attracted to the picture because it was like the before and after was so interesting. But yeah. I noticed I dwelled on the after just a little bit too much. So I have to say that this is something that is a real trigger for me as well. So I can really identify with why it's a problem because I think it's a barrier to intimacy. That I am shifting my focus from them as a human being to what their body has to offer me. So, and what I meant by if you if 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 a guy is objectifying a woman like that, so like that's the hot chick meeting, um, or you know I'm looking at that woman, man, she's really hot, she's got a hot body, I want to fuck her. What he's doing is um, eliminating or depriving himself of the opportunity to feel affection from her emotionally. It's going straight for the the kill, you know, straight for the the sex. Yes. And eliminating everything that goes up. And so, and I think that we do that, men and women, because we're afraid of the process of, meeting and then creating yes. the friendship the acquaintance and then the friendship and then the, and you know that that process we're afraid of that and i know me the way that i recognize that i was objectifying men and how damaging it is is because i thought all men all they wanted was sex from me i could feel i can feel it when someone is objectifying it, me so i just blanketed all of them and, you know, I just don't want to do that. I have to work really hard at it. I have developed friendships with men. I have some men that I can talk to on the phone. I have adult sons that I need to have relationships with them. 
I have, and you know, not thinking that they want sex from everybody, you know, I, and I had to teach them that's not, you know, that women are people. And, and I mean, we never had that conversation. It just shows up in a, like we're equals, you know, in the way that I, what I showed up in the household. And so I just think that it's so damaging, like to, that person is good for sex. That's what that person is good for because you're eliminating and diminishing the opportunity to create intimacy. Well, it's especially troubling to me in a meeting because I would hope that we go to meetings for recovery. So instead of thinking about recovery, they're thinking about hot chick over there. And like, you know, saying or thinking, you know, they're like acting out in their disease. It's like going into an AA meeting with an open beer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's what I think is difficult with sex and love addicts is that it's such a, um, you know, it's not a a clear thing. Ambivalent. Yes, There's a lot of gray areas about what it is, but uh, it, it... troubles me and the reason that I don't go to that meeting is because I have felt triggered mm-hmm. by some of the women and the men in that meeting by what they say and what they do and uh, and so that's one of the reasons why I go to all women meeting meetings because that's where I feel like I want to get my recovery and I remember when co-ed meetings were they were sort of back being redeveloped when I left for New York that there was a lot of energy put into that development and I think that that's natural and good because at a certain point, I feel like I need to leave the women's meeting, that I need to go out and I need to interact with men in a healthy way. But then here in this BS, you know, it makes me very angry. Yeah. Well, and it would, you know, if we found, if young people found out or if, you know, if there's young women and there are young women in that meeting and... If they're approached, they're gonna eventually. They're either gonna act out or they're gonna go away. Well, I had a you know sponsee for a period of time that I felt like was you know um, they saw her and they targeted her. Mm-hmm. So it just you know it, it, it's kind of a, a very very distressing thing. So I in that me in that same meeting there was a guy that came and he he was new. It was his first meeting. And he came to like two or three meetings. And then one of the young women in that meeting brought her husband. First time he'd ever come to an SLAA meeting. She had been a member for a while, but she brought her husband. First time he'd ever been there. And he's in the mothership, but he'd never been to a slaw meeting. So this dude comes in and he starts sharing this very graphic story about having sex with a woman in a car. He was taught, you know, described the whole thing. Then he went on to say in his share that, you know, well, first I was coming to this meeting because there's a lot of hot women in here. But now it's like, you know, and um, I called him after the meeting. I called him the next day and I said, you, you cannot come to a meeting. Do that. I said, that young, those young women, those women are, they, because he was like my age, they are young enough to be our children. And you're sitting there talking about how you're looking at them, how hot they are. And then that other one, her husband was there for the first time. How many times do you think he's going to feel comfortable with his wife at a meeting, his very attractive young wife with men like you ogling her there? That's not what the meeting is for. And, you know, one of the things that I did want to mention, too, is that I'm not against 
finding somebody attractive and being sexually attracted that's to someone. That's what some, we're talking about. It, it's yeah. natural and it's yeah. normal. Right. This is not the same thing. Right. This is about creating a, a persona of a meeting that it's all about these hot, you go there and find hot women. Right. In Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Right. Right. That just doesn't fit. No, <laughs> it's wrong. No. Well, like I said, again, I feel like it's acting out. And I think that there are some, you know, I remember, I can't remember what TV show it was, but there was a, a man that went to gambling Addicts Anonymous and, and it, like a gambler and uh, they were talking after the meeting and they were trying to decide something. He goes, I know how I would decide. And he like brought out a deck of cards. He's like, Let, you know. Let's like you know pull a card. Let's cut for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's cut for it. And uh, and so it's, it's sort of that same sort of hypocrisy. I think right. that that's the word that I've been searching for. Yes, it's it's it's, uh, it's uh, hypocritical to go to SLAA meeting and cruise people at the same time, and it creates what I think is an unsafe space because now it makes me not want to go to that meeting at all. And if I you know had someone that I was sponsoring or someone who asked me, well, what do you think about the Friday night meeting? I'll say, listen, but stay away from that meeting, right? Or you know, if, if you're, you know, you've got ten years of sobriety in the program and you're ready to kind of like, you know, I said it's it's you know really for like um, people with super strong boundaries and sobriety. So, so I don't really know what the solution is there. I just know that um, you what I, I what I've decided to do is I asked. Could I lead the meeting tomorrow night? Tomorrow's Friday, and that meeting's running. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna share much like this. I'm gonna share my experience around objectification. Um, one of the reasons my marriage didn't work is because I was objectified. You know, one of the reasons that I ended up in this program is I was objectified, and it was a learning process for me to realize that that's not healthy. And it's not normal. I don't know where I learned it, but somewhere along the way, I thought, and probably from the bodice rippers, you know, that's kind of where I learned about romance and sex. You know, as I, I started reading those when I was like twelve. Ooh, like they oh were... my gosh, me too. That was like my first. That's like porn. It if, is. If my mother knew what was in those books, she would have let me read them she didn't even want me to read her zane gray novels i stole mine from my mom (laughs) (laughs) i found them in her bedside table and took them upstairs oh my god hit them in my bed yes and we passed them around us girls (laughs) we were like oh man page 78 that's when it gets going good you know so yeah so and i also think that in my recovery program I can remember that I had to throw out all my like you know high heel pumps and all my you know sexy lingerie and things like that and I'm not saying I I have anything against that if that's what you feel like you need to be sexy for me I was using it because I was buying into this whole idea of being objectified and so I would present myself as this package or as this commodity because that's the only way that I felt like I had been taught or knew kind of how to do it. And so it's so interesting now the way I am because, you know, before I had like long hair that I always like did. And now my hair is like a boy's haircut, short hair. And I rarely wear makeup 
but you know I try to go into the world as like my authentic self trying to like be open and seeing someone for their for their authentic self if they have a shirt on you know if they don't have a shirt on I can't look at you, you, can't you know? do it. and uh, I'm, it's it's the fight I'm right the fight right right but you know looking at men's eyes and looking at people's eyes in general so it, it's a it's a different sort of approach that I have to to it now so I've objectified my own body I have presented it to be objectified it's uh, I think something that I don't think we talk enough about so I'm glad that we were talking about this on Valentine's Day where there's a lot of like you know love is in the air you know the chocolate the whatever the gesture and uh, and you know some sadness too for me when I realized what it was today in the grocery store was there was just a little bit of, of sadness and it was just oh I, I'm not in a relationship and usually I don't have any negative response to that but there was a little grief and a little sadness around that so thank you for bringing up this topic well I I think it's damaging highly damaging to um, you know I think it's we start grooming little girls this way and we're grooming them to objectify themselves and um, you know I have two granddaughters and I don't want this to happen to them and well because when we objectify we make it a commodity and that's yeah. how you know we have the sex and that means they're throw away they don't right. have feelings they don't have value you know, as humans they don't have right they don't have anything to offer other than their bodies and it it just this is a historical issue that we have been fighting as women for so long but i am telling you men if there's any men listening that you are doing a disservice to yourself as well anytime the, that's what the problem is with pornography right i was just you thinking know about it that. is the objectification of women i i'll tell this story um one of the last times i saw my qualifier i was at his house we had gone to play pool we didn't but and then um i went back to his apartment i used the the bathroom and i came out and he was doing some type of work and i went to say goodbye to him and he embraced me and when he did i looked over his shoulder and i saw the tv was on and it was just a uh like a white background it was a, a porn video I was sort of mesmerized by it, as you are with porn. It's just like such a weird, you know, like you just like, whoa, wow. And I realized, oh, that's how he thinks of me. That's why he put that on, because that's what he equates me to, is this body. Look at her. And I was just like, wow. And I was so revulsed, you know, and I just left. And he followed me out and he's like, aren't you going to say goodbye or kiss me? And I was like, no, I just want to go. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's more than hurt. It's a different kind of damage that you're doing to somebody when you do that. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I felt pain as much as revulsed. And I was like woken up to I don't want to feel like the next time I have sex that that's what's going on you know I want to have sex and I want the next time I have sex I want to be in love I want 
that reciprocity. Yeah. And there was none of that going on in any of that scene. Yeah. And it just was, you know, and I allowed it. Mm-hmm. I allowed it because I had allowed him, you know, to stay in relationship with me, to, to have sex with me repeatedly. I felt like when you were talking about that feeling that you had, uh, I saw it on a continuum. And the continuum continuum of small to large. And for me, large is like being atrocities like the Holocaust. Like that's the ultimate. But it shares that same sort of devaluation of people as human beings. Mm -hmm. And so... That experience and watching that pornographic image and relating it to yourself, it's like that was a small part on that huge continuum of being disconnected from other human beings as human beings and knowing them as being, you know, just, you know, that intimacy. And uh, and I just have to say that it also brought up for me this idea of here in Houston we had like a city council resolution somebody wanted to open a robot. Oh brothel. God! Now Elizabeth, I'm kind of for robot brothels in this regard. If it's going to stop someone yeah. from having sex with a real human right. being versus a robot, then I'm all for letting the robot. Or dolls. They were going to use rubber dolls. Yeah. Those blow-up dolls. They were going to have those. All right, let them have those. If you replace all the brothels with those, yeah, I am too. I mean, I feel like it's I don't know that I want... uh, Yeah. (laughs) I think I I I need to think about that for a minute. (laughs) But I I would rather them do that than sex traffic. Right. Right. But, you know, that whole thing is that... um, that's where this leads to. That's right. That's, That's where right. this leads to. Right. Is a group of people that now go into areas and kidnap women. Right. And make them sex slaves. Right. For the right. benefit of men that want to fuck them. That's right. And will pay for it. That's right. That's right. So it, it's it's on that trajectory, and it it's on that, and so it's like it doesn't make me feel good to think about those things. And I think that the and this brought up the meeting. This is like the very first bit. That's the right. Sec, that's the little bit. That's the, the tiny sexy. little drop, and then all the way to you know genocide. And that's where it makes me goes to the right, genocide, right? Because well, don't you see where this is going? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't start here. Because it's the stereotype, it's racism, it's all of it. In that little tiny drop of hot chicks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's the hot chick meeting. Mm-hmm. They all go there. I do have to say that since I've gotten older and become more invisible, that I really love that. That I that have you're seen, not objectified as I'm much. I'm not objectified, that's right. And I've actually seen men, I've actually observed men... Starting with my feet, like looking at my body, and the minute they get to my face, like they can't get their eyes off my face quick enough. And I'm like, yeah, uh huh, there you go, uh huh, old girl. That's I'm right. Old. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm, there you go. And it, and and it's like I dismiss them. They dismiss me, and I dismiss them. It's like, well, you're just a so and so. You know, I, I can't even think of a, a rejoinder to you know talk about it. 
But it's that piece of it where, and I have been a good looking woman and I have had, and I feel like I'm attractive now, but in a different way. And I have had that uh, feeling and in a way as a sex and love addict, it is uh, titillating and it is, oh, the intrigue begins and it is a way for me to engage. And so uh, it's a different thing now, post-recovery. So. I'm not, and I, you know, I think like part of it does come with making changes ourselves. And MG and I are both of a certain age. We, you know, we are not under 40 <laughs> I'm not gonna say how old we are, but I am fifty plus. So right. there you Me go. Too. And uh, and I do also enjoy not being ogled and not being objectified. I can Elizabeth, still... you're you're a very very handsome woman, and I can remember when I first knew you back in the day, because you're tall and you're striking and you have a great fashion sense. It's like you're very attractive. So I can only imagine what it was like for you when you were like you know. And I, I did the same, yes, and I did the same thing. I had the heels and the skirts and the, you know, the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so I, I, all I know is that for me now, I do, I don't dress like that anymore. And I don't lead with my sexuality. And that's what I really don't want to do. And that's what this is, is. You know, I do have sponsees and I can notice it and I'll tell them you're leading with your sexuality. That's, I think, part of the solution, Elizabeth, where, because we always like to talk about right. it in our podcast, like, what is the solution? And so if we can bring it back to an action step is that for those of uh, those women and men out there, because men do it, too. I mean, especially in Houston, in the gay you know, uh, I've seen it like, you know, being bought weightlifters and, you know, being like an awesome shape and like wearing tank tops or whatever that they're leading with their sexualities. Uh, so for men and for women, I think that one of the things that we can do in recovery as a solution to this is to, to not lead with their sexuality. And I'm not talking about covering up. No, or not feeling sexy or being sexy or even dressing sexy. There's a difference between it. it watch what not to wear. Yes. <laughs> Old versions yes. of it because they talk about that a lot. Like you can be and dress and look sexy without showing cleavage and, uh, you know, having skirts that show your hoo-ha and all of that stuff. You know, you can, right. you, can you know, maintain your dignity. Right. And your class, you right. know. Right. So, yes. So, how do you not lead with your sexuality? Well, you have to let people see who you really are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that's what you're talking about with the approach that you have to your dress now and the way that you, you know, go out into the world. And I try really hard. Like, I don't wear, uh, I mean, look at my shoes now. <laughs> These are my new favorite thing, tennis shoes. And Ma, I'm like on this kick, I'm finding, and I was the high heel queen. I'm telling you, I had every... And you're already like six foot, uh, so... Uh, she, yes, yeah. and so anyway, but yeah, and red shoes, I love them. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do think that it's just that, and we have to teach younger girls, younger women. You know, younger women than us, younger teens, younger mm-hmm. girls. Mm-hmm. That we are so much more because this is the historical rights, women's rights, equality for women. This is where it comes from. 
This is why we're doing this. And we're still fighting the same damn fight now that they were doing hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And if we allow men to do this to us, we're allowing them to do it to themselves and we're allowing them to do it to our children. And we simply just cannot do that. Right. So I think the solution is, I think, also having the discussion like what we're talking about now. And so everybody who's listening, I want you to talk about it with your best friend, with others. Bring it up at a meeting. Bring it up in a meeting and think about how you objectify others. I had a therapist one time that when I, you know, went to go see him and I was talking about like, you know, my desire for a relationship. And I said, really, I just want to get laid. That's really what I want to do. And he said, no, you don't. He said, you don't want that. He said, you can go right out this door right now, and within an hour, you can have that. He goes, that's not what you want. He said, you want connection. You want love. You want someone to hold you. You want someone to see who you are, to value you. And then when he started talking like that, I started crying. (laughs) Yes. We cover it up with that. I just want to get laid. We cover all of that up with that. Right. Right. Because we think it's going to fix it, well, make it go away, and it won't. And getting back to the reason it's, you know, fear of intimacy, fear of being known, fear of being vulnerable, all of that. And so that's also, I think, how we can, uh, you know, the solution is is to work on being vulnerable with, um, with people that we vet. You're vulnerable with me, Elizabeth. I'm vulnerable with you. We open and expose ourselves. And you're someone who I trust and I love. And I've vetted that relationship. And so I know I can be that way with you. I can let my guard down. And I can, you know, uh, show you a part of myself that I don't show other people. And so um, that's how we build it. And that's how I would build it if I were in a relationship as well. Right. So uh, I'm encouraged for you, and I'm glad that you're going to be vulnerable tomorrow night and, you know, talk about it in the meeting, because I think it's important to create those safe spaces and to, and to hold the meetings accountable, because, you know, otherwise people leave, which is, you know, I don't go. So if you have a story and you want to share, if you have some questions, is this me being objectified? Is this me objectifying Send them. We don't, you know, profess to know all the answers, but we can, uh, we'll certainly have an opinion. And we'll talk about it. And we'll and talk about it. We'll read, your, we'll read your email on air. Yeah. And share it. And please like and share the video, the um, audio of this if you um, listen and like us. And happy Valentine's Day. And happy Valentine's Day. Don't forget, we are at www.sobersisterslive.com. Sober Sisters Talk. Sober Sisters Talk. Dot com, com, not live. Um, we also have a Facebook page. We have a Facebook page. I um, When we post a new recording, I always put it on our Facebook page. And then you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.